The following podcast is brought to you by Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in beautiful Burlington. For a tremendous golfing experience in a gorgeous natural setting, check out Crosswinds. It's where I play golf, and you should too. The course is in perfect shape. The views are to die for. And when it comes to value, Crosswinds is second to none. And the people there will treat you like royalty. Book your tee time online and check out the many specials they have to offer. Visit crosswindsgolf.com, and we'll see you there. Now, let's start the podcast. Welcome to Hebsey on Sports episode number Peyton Manning, Moises Alou, Jim Clancy, Serge Savard, Dennis Savard, and Jim McKenney. I'm your host, Mark Hepsher. Today on the show, NBA free agency has gone crazy. By the time the season begins next year, dozens of players will have changed teams. The latest, Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook. Are you kidding me? And starting next year in the NBA, coaches can challenge one call per game, just like all the other sports. I don't know if they're going to throw a towel, a flag, uh, give a little circle. I think that's what it is. I think you just you just go like this, a little circle over your head. It means I want to I want to challenge. Anyway, exciting stuff. Hey, what did you think of Vladdy Jr.'s 91 home runs in the uh, Major League Baseball home run derby the other night? I thought his arms were going to fall off. I mean, that was a lot of swinging, man. The latest from Wimbledon is Serena reaches the finals and Rafa and Roger battle it out today. And on Hockey Confidential, why did Ryan O'Reilly of the Blues take out his tooth before speaking at the, at the I was going to say the Hebsey Awards, but it's the ESPY Awards. Bring back the Hebsey Awards. It's all ahead, but first the Blue Jays and the way they're treating their season ticket holders. Breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. This came via email before the All-Star break to a Blue Jay season ticket holders. So this is an email. Uh, these are my buddies Jeff and uh, Chris that have season tickets and have had for many, many years. Uh, just before the All-Star break, they got a, an email that said this. Good afternoon. I want to thank you for being a Toronto Blue Jay season ticket member. I appreciate your commitment to the Blue Jays and have really enjoyed working with you. In a few weeks, our 2020 season ticket membership early bird renewal window will open, giving you the first chance to renew your season seats. If you renew your season's tickets during the early bird renewal notice, you will not only receive the best price on tickets, but there will be no increase in your price from 2019. <laughs> what a gesture! I, I put that part in. They didn't put what a gesture in the email. <laughs> Editor's note. I will be following up this note with a call to answer any questions you may have. But in the meantime, I'd like to share some important details about this year's renewal process. Anyway, it goes on and on and on and on. So my buddies Jeff and Chris, our season ticket holders, have been for years. Regular price for one season ticket for where they are, which is in the second row, $5,897. But if you act now, before July 26th, it's only $5,550. A savings of, what, $347. What percent is that? I don't know. I don't know. That's for one ticket, Mike. One, one ticket. Off. It's eleven grand for two tickets. Eleven grand. But you said second row? They're in the second row. That is pretty good, though. You have the you know, yeah. premium seats. Yeah, uh, no, no, no doubt. And they've had those seats for years. It's they a rich man's They sport. don't want to lose their those seats. No. But still, so that's eleven grand. Now, obviously, well. there are other you know tickets that aren't quite as expensive. But the point is this. Mm -hmm. They want a deposit. I believe it's a $500 deposit that they want now so you can secure your tickets for next year. So I'm thinking, okay, in previous years, and correct me if I'm wrong, any Blue Jay season ticket holders out there, in previous years, in September, they would send this out. In September. You know, with like a few weeks to go in the season. Hey, folks, next year's season's tickets are available. Here's your early bird thing if you act now, blah, blah, blah. Right. But this year, they decided, all right, you know, Shapiro and the gang decided, hey, let's do it before the All-Star all break. Like the first week of July. We want your money now. 
Right. So if they get all this money in, and I, I don't know how many season ticket holders they have. Let's say they have 10,000 at 500 a pop. There's $5 million that they're going to put in the bank on the 26th of July and never and not have to use it until next season. Right. So what's the, what kind of interest can you get on $5 million over, I don't know, what, eight months? What, what is that? That is a huge <laughs> ripoff. That, it takes balls. It takes iron, steel balls to go to your season ticket holders, of which you don't have very many left, and ask them to fork over money now for tickets next year and then have the unmitigated audacity to say um, there won't be a price increase next year. How about a, hey, how about a price decrease? Right. How about that? Because here's the way the Jays' attendance has gone, and I don't know if you're aware of this at all. The Jays are 22nd in the major leagues out of 30 teams in attendance this year. 22nd. Wow. They average 20,600 fans a game. Last year, 2018, 13th in Major League Baseball, averaging over 29,000 a game. Okay? That's a, that's a huge drop. Yeah. Wait a second. Wait. In 2017, they were fourth in league attendance, averaging over 39,000. Do you remember? back? They didn't even make the playoffs that year. 2017. Right. They averaged 39,000 fans. And the year before that, 2016, when they went to the playoffs, third in Major League Baseball behind uh, the Dodgers and St. Louis, averaging nearly 42,000 fans. Remember, it seems so long ago now. So they've gone from 42,000 average a couple of years ago yeah. to 20,000. That's huge. Any other business, people are going to get fired. Oh, wait a second. It's Rogers. That's right. See, we've been talking about Rogers, like, oh, yeah, all that money they spend on the NHL package and people are going and, you know, Bob McCowan's out and maybe Don Cherry, we don't know, and uh, Gord Martineau and all these Rogers people. It's like, no, hey, man, look at the Blue Jays. Man, these guys are swimming in red ink right now. Right. And they've got the gall to ask their season ticket holders to put a deposit down in July for next season. That is unbelievable. But it's self-inflicted. These, these friends of yours can always opt out of this madness. But they wouldn't. They've had the, these are great seats. Why would you know, do that? Just, like, yeah. why would you do I that? Know. You got to pay why? to play, I guess. Now, my dad, years and years ago, my dad gave up his season's tickets when, and I, I'm trying to think when it was. I think it was in the mid-90s, I'm going to say. Or they had a bunch of lean years, and they changed uniforms and logos and stuff like that. And, right. You know, they had Roger Clemens for a couple of years and whatever. And he says, you know, what am I paying all this money for? And the reason was, he couldn't go to every game. But it was extremely difficult to, to, to give, not even to give the tickets away. Like, you know, here, give me face value. No, I'm not interested. Anybody interested in four tickets to a Jays game? You know what the answer was? Crickets. It's like that now. So he had to eat the tickets. So what's happening now is, yeah, I don't know what their season ticket numbers are. They'll never tell you. They never say exactly how many season ticket holders they have because there's right. various flex packages and stuff like that. But, I mean, this takes, this takes a lot of nerve to do this. Your team is, is a terrible baseball team. You're telling people, oh, the future looks bright and all that stuff. Meantime, what are they going to do with Marcus Stroman this month and Eric Sogard and Freddie Galvis and Justin Smoke and, and um, Ken Giles? They're, they're probably all going to be gone. Now, if I may, the, the million-dollar question is, yeah. why, why exactly aren't you keeping Stroman for the rebuild, like to have him in your starting rotation for when this team is competitive again? Because you don't want to spend the money. He's got one more year under team control, and then after that, he's... So it's uh, it's cost-cutting. Cost, yeah, it's going to be a lot of money. I'm hearing a lot about Rodgers and cost-cutting. It seems like those yeah. two are going together going these days. <laughs> so, but what do you think of this? I mean, if you're a season ticket holder, and they can in July... They came to you with like 75 games left in the season. Say, all right, we need you to re-up now. You got till the end of July. I understand the outrage. But again, if you, from my perspective, this is a, I want to say a rich man's sport. Like you have great seasons tickets. It costs, what, 11000 you said to renew. Like to me, 
nobody has this unless they can afford to cough up, you know, 500 now and let Rodgers keep the end. It's just the price of playing no, but you know, game. Mike, that not very few people. I mean, 81 home games, you're splitting them amongst, you know, of usually course. people have got season's tickets. And uh, I know that with Chris and Jeff, they've got, you know, each guy gets whatever number it is, 10 games, 12 games. Do you ever get to sit in these seats? Games. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're fantastic. Fantastic seats. No doubt about it. Sounds great. And the thing is that, you know, as much as they want to go, you know, F you to the Blue Jays, they know that if they give these seats up, they'll never get them again. And the Jays know that they know that, which is why they have them over the barrel. Man, they went, listen, they went from over 40,000 people per game a few years ago, third in league attendance to now 22nd. Well, people love a winner, man. This city loves a winner. We saw it with the Raptors here. When the Jays were great, People wanted to be at the Dome. The, the Jays are crap, and people don't want to be there. It's just the but, uh, the loyalists. But just there. the idea of approaching your fans in the midst of a horrible losing season in before the All-Star break to say, cough up the money now, knowing that, like Ballard used to do this with the Leafs. You know what I mean? Like if right. the season started in October, Ballard, I think, let's say it was uh, by March, you got to have your, se- uh, your season ticket money in. And I don't know how much, I don't know if you had to have it all in or half of it or whatever. And people are going, yeah, this guy's putting money in the bank. He's making interest off of this. Okay, that's business. But here the Jays are a terrible team. And this is many well, months before next terrible. Season, Many months before, even more than Ballard did. I mean, I, if someone tell me, what's the, if, if I throw $5 million into a mutual fund or whatever, what kind of interest am I going to get for eight months, nine months on this money? Hey, Hebsey, the only pretty good. The only way to like to cast a ballot or whatever that Rogers will respect is with your wallet. Like, if people keep forking over the five hundred bucks, they're going to keep doing this. I like, know, but people don't want to lose their season tickets. They don't want to. They want to be here when Vladdy and Bo and Kevin well, and and uh, Nate Pearson and all these kids are you know are 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 going to be knocking the cover off the ball and winning ball games in in five years. Dare I say that's their problem? Okay. All right. And uh, the news doesn't get any better for the Blue Jays, who begin a 10-game road trip through New York, Boston, and Detroit, starting tonight against the Yankees. Starting pitcher for the Jays tonight, Aaron Sanchez. The worst pitcher in Major League Baseball. I saw him in a, the uh, worst last start. pitcher in Major League Baseball. 3-12 and 12 this year with an ERA north of 6. Do you know, Mike, if he continues to start, he could lose 20 games this year. He could become the first Major Leaguer to lose 20 games in a season since Detroit's Mike Marath lost 21 games Back in 2003, you know what it takes to lose 20 games in a season? You got to be, you got to be unlucky and you just got to be bad. But you got to be good enough to keep starting. And do you think that they should keep starting him? Like, <laughs> well, I think, they're des- I they think it's desperate times. I mean, you mentioned off the top, this is the Jim Clancy episode. One of my favorite uh, trivia facts, if you will, about Jim Clancy is yeah. he had the most losses of the 1980s because he was on some terrible teams. He pitched a lot, though. He, but never, he was a lot better. I don't than, recall uh, him this. missing. He didn't miss a start. He was a horse. Jim Clancy was a horse. But the, th- the greatest, memory I, greatest memory I have of Jim Clancy is after the game. See, back in the day, you could smoke and drink in the clubhouse. And Labatt's, the owner of the team, supplied all kinds of beer for the guys, you know, in the clubhouse. So this is Jim. This is how I remember Jim Clancy. Losing a game, like probably pitching nine innings and losing, you know, 3-2 or whatever. Right. 150 pitches. And after the game, sitting on his stool in front of his locker, dragging on a, on a smoke <laughs> and, and sucking back a couple of Labatt's blues. The good old days. Yeah, that's what I remember about Jim Clancy. And a man of very few words. Very few words. Man, Dave, so, Steve, and Jim Clancy. That, that was it. Yeah. So, um, so, so what, the, what should the Jays do with Sanchez? Keep starting him? What else are you going to do? No, there's, no, there's no trade value. I oh, guess none. He, he, he let him eat up. A few innings uh, every fifth, 
day or whatever. I don't know. You I don't know. For, you hope for the he best. looked okay. The, when I saw him on Friday, he looked okay. No, he's awful. He averages almost six walks per nine innings. He's, he's fallen off the face of the earth. He was the ERA leader in the major leagues a few years ago. I always thought he was a better... Um, when, he, when he started with the Jays, he was a relief pitcher, if you right. remember. Yeah. And he was good. We liked him. And there was talk that, you know, hey, put it, leave him in the bullpen. Make him your closer. I wonder if you could do that now. Because a lot of starting pitchers who started off their careers as starters ended up in the bullpen. I'm thinking of guys like Goose Gossage back in the day. Hard-throwing starter. And or by Eckersley. About, by about the, or Eckersley. By about the fifth inning, you know, his arm was falling off. They said, you know what? Let's make him a one-inning reliever. So right. a lot of these guys, most, most pitchers start as starting pitchers, you know, in high school, in college, whatever, and then and then they become relief pitchers. Well, I think it's time that Aaron Sanchez, with the way he throws, if he can command the strike zone, make him a relief pitcher. The other thing is, yeah. I've been looking at this a lot, the idea that your closer is your ninth inning guy, it doesn't appeal to me the same way. I'm looking at the batting order, I'm saying, you know, if I want my best pitcher up against their best hitters, so if my best pitcher happens to come in in the ninth inning and he's facing the seven, eight, nine hitters in the batting order and he gets the save... What about the guy who pitched the eighth inning, the Dwayne Ward or the Mark Eichhorn guy who got the heart of the order out in the eighth to protect the lead? That guy gets a hold. Right. The other guy gets a save. And I would do it the other way around. I'd say, oh, you know, Giles, guess what? In the eighth or in the seventh even, you got the three, four, five hitters coming up. I need you to pitch to these guys. Then I can worry about a lesser pitcher pitching to the seven, eight, nine hitters. But it doesn't work that way in baseball. Did you like uh, Vladdy's performance at the Home Run Derby? Did you like that whole Home Run Derby thing? It was the most thrilling Home Run Derby I've ever watched. And then say, the ratings didn't suggest that. You know that. They also I have no idea of the ratings. Yeah. I know that I was, compe- it was compelling it to, was, uh, to a Jays fan Did you not think, like though, that, like, think about this. For four, is it four minutes they give them, the first one? Like, four minutes. That's and a lot of And you get the bonus 30 seconds, which everyone got, That's right? That's a lot of Did swings. anyone not get that bonus 30 no. seconds? The best line was by Jock Peterson, who ended up losing in the, in the playoff in the semifinal to Vladdy. And he, and he said to the reporter, he said, well, I'm kind of glad I lost because, like, my arm was ready to fall off. <laughs> like, I, I feel sorry for Vladdy. I don't know how many swings he took, right? He hit, 90, yeah. he hit 91 home runs. And, and big by the, swings. And by the way, you were correct in that when Vladdy entered the home run derby, he, he, he had the record for not only the youngest player, but the player with the least number of major league home runs to be in the home run derby. Right. Eight. Uh, Scott Carson, the Blue Jays' uh, fine uh, statistician for, um, on, on uh, Sportsnet games, uh, said that the previous record was Chris Bryant of the Cubs. He had 12 lifetime home runs when he entered the 2015 Home Run Derby. But I'm thinking, you know, is this going to screw up his swing? And I'm not the only one. This has been one of the problems. Is it Because he doesn't normally have, like, that uppercut swing. He's got that line drive, you know, flying over the fence, not that high, arching, majestic home run type swing. Maybe he'll start hitting more dingers after this. He's only got eight. How many, will, how many will he hit? Well, we always said we would be happy with 20. You think uh, if he hits 12 home runs in the last 70-whatever games for, if, to finish with 20, I that admit, would be okay. I'd be okay with that. True, but based on what he does in uh, batting practice and home run derbies, yeah. it's a little... And I, again, he's only 20. Yeah. You know, be patient. But it is a little surprising he only has eight homers. You'd think he'd accidentally hit eight homers. Right. I want to get to this, uh, this tweet from... Uh, this is the bad tweet of the week. Okay. Now, you know who the score is, right? Yeah. I used to work for them when they were called Headline Sports. The score. Uh, and they've got 569,000 followers. The score. So they tweet the other day, and I don't know who it is. Some kid, probably. A seven-year-old. <laughs> Top five Toronto sports moments. This is, as, this is during the, all, the home run derby. Okay. Top five Toronto sports moments. This is from the score. Right. Number one, the shot. Number two, Raptors win their first NBA championship. Number three, Vladdy Jr. crushing 29 <laughs> home runs in the first round of the home run derby. 
Number four, Jay's winning the World Series in 92 and 93. Number five, the Jose Bautista bat flip. What's wrong with this picture? I think the person was being funny. I think that was meant in humor because we were watching the Home Run Derby. Of course, the Home Run Derby doesn't fall into third on that list is a bit wonky. But wait anyway, a second. Wait, Mike. If very recent, recency if, bias at play. In if that you're case. tweeting, would you not put LOL next to it or something? To, I to, think to it's show, funnier to go straight up. I to show people that maybe you're kidding? Because my, my, I tweeted this guy. It's like, what, what are you, seven years old? Right. Like, are you not aware of some of the great Toronto sports moments? Right, right. Okay? Right. And, and, and it was only in the first round of the... You know, I know people got excited, and it was it was very exciting. But that doesn't qualify for a top five. Why not put Vladdy's a uh, walk off in Montreal? There Why not go. stick that in the top five? So you think that you think the score was kidding around? I have. I'm. You think I, the score has a sense of humor that this this uh, these, this the, 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 this tweeter had a sense. Of, let's let's put this in. Ha, okay, Hebsy, listen, I've I've been uh, guilty of this. Sometimes you you do something that's ridiculous, mm. and right, it's absurd. Yeah. And it's funny to you because it's absurd, and you don't put the wink because it's funnier to do it straight up. Oh, you're 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 reading way so, too much into this. You're for, reading way way too. So this I is, do this, and then people think I'm serious, and I'm like, how score. could he believe the absurdity of what I tweeted? But I you're Toronto, you Mike. Though this is the score. This is you know we're putting out our. I mean, this is somebody that decided that uh, funny or not that they were going to include this to what to get a reaction. The context is everything. It was during the home run derby. This person was having fun with the fact that this is now the third biggest moment oh in Toronto sports. God. I think it's funny. Okay. But, uh, That's you. You're right. If it's well, straight that, up, it's ridiculous. Well, anyway, Chris J., who wrote in, uh, this is uh, hookstarrookster at gmail.com. Anyway, he says, hey, guys, oh. remarks definition of Canadian sports moments. These are mine. Number one, Henderson versus Russia, 72. Before my time, but since it was the first time Wait, Canada. Canada moments or Toronto moments? Well, I think they're going the same. If you're from Toronto, you're from Canada in this particular case. So hang on. Only because there's a difference. Hang okay. on. Henderson versus Russia. Number two, Gretzky to Lemieux, Canada Cup 87, three games against the Soviet Union, six, five scores in all, uh, blah, blah, blah. Number three, Jacques Villeneuve becomes the world driving champion. If you think the car did all the work, let's see you drive 70 plus laps, consistency at 220 kilometers an hour, 16 times in the summer. Okay, so he's basically saying this, but he's also saying if Kawhi Leonard's only legacy is thousands of kids take up basketball and Canada becomes a dominant country in the sport, I'll be happy. Please don't mistake the Raptors win as a Canadian moment. Huh? Don't mistake the Raptors win as a Canadian moment. In other words, it wasn't done by Canadian guys like Paul Henderson, Wayne Gretzky, no, Mario Lemieux, and I think and he's Villeneuve. suggesting that that's a Toronto moment. I think he's saying. But, but of course, the but Raptors and be, the Blue Jays are Canada's team. But could it not? See, and that's the thing is we're from Toronto. So, like, I don't care how the Raptors. <laughs> I mean, I care, but I don't care how the Raptors. Can rest I say this on his list? Wouldn't you put, tell me, would you put, I would put the golden goal. And I, I think it's amazing the uh, Gretzky to Lemieux in yeah. 87. But I actually would put the golden goal ahead of that. That's you. And you're more well, I want to hear. I want to hear what Hebsey would do. No, I wouldn't put the golden goal ahead of it. Wouldn't because we were expected, first uh, goal. Well, okay, yeah, we were expected, at home. We were expected. Yeah, so what at home? We were expected to win. Okay, we were expected to win. We weren't expected to win in '87 with Gretzky to Lemieux. No, not so much. Six, <laughs> three, six, five games. I know. I don't know. We certainly we had the best talent. Seventy-two. We were down four. You know what? Well, we were down four games to. That's different. It transcended run. sports. I think seventy-two has to go highest. But I also think Joe Carter's uh, homer. I don't disagree with that at all. Should be number one. Not at all. Not at all. Now that we got that out of the way, uh, Jake Marisnik of the Houston Astros has been suspended for two games. Two games. They play one hundred and sixty-two games in a season. Two games for running over Jonathan Lucroy of the Angels. Uh, causing a concussion, uh, broken nose. That was a wicked collision. Yeah. Two games. Look, baseball, they play almost every day. They're play I guess they're playing an average of, what, six games a week. Suspend the guy for a week. That's six games. But two games? Two. He probably, he takes 
days off. He's a catcher. He takes quite a few days off. So adding one more, it's nothing to him. It's it's like a, it's no punishment at all. You got to do at least, I think, at least five games, right? To... Marisnik's an outfielder. Outfielder. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but still, I mean, two right, games sorry. is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, what kind of a... Hey, listen, if you do that again, we're going to suspend you for two games. I mean, that's not a deterrent. And really, that's a dangerous, dangerous play. These are things that baseball is trying to get rid of. The Buster Posey thing, but also breaking up the double play in um, uh, in baseball now is just doesn't exist anymore. It's it's a different game. Tony wouldn't have been uh, hit with Bill Madlock. Who slid into yeah, Tony? Yeah, Bill Fernandez. Madlock, for sure. Yeah. I mean, okay. you could break up a double play, right. uh, which you can't do anymore. So this whole idea of getting uh, you know violent on the baseball field against your opponent... Uh, and only getting a two-game suspension. I think baseball blew it there. They blew it. I think you might be right. As far as I'm concerned, they blew it. The other thing is um, recently a young, I think about a two-year-old kid got hit by a line drive. And now four major league teams are extending the netting well past the uh, end of the dugout um, um, and past actually the baseline. So even with third base where my buddy's seats are, uh, for, uh, I believe, the White Sox. Next year, the Texas Rangers are moving into a new stadium. There's going to be netting, like, all around. It's just too dangerous. And, you know, the funny thing is, it's batted balls, but it's also bats that are breaking. Mm. Uh, and when you see the the end of a broken bat go flying into the stands, If got the jugular, you could yeah. bleed out in, like, it seconds. Could, it could be serious. But anyway, yeah. the other, uh, very recently, uh, and I can't remember the teams, they, this, poor, this two, two-year-old kid got hit by a line drive, and it was just... And as soon as the guy hit it, he was just, oh, no. And the catcher turned away. He couldn't even watch. And a security guy came down, ran down, picked up the kid, and sprinted up the stairs. Right Now, I don't know the condition of the child. I know that someone did die uh, in the last couple years from being hit by a batted ball. And there's also another gentleman who is suing the New York Yankees for, I think, $11 million for not protecting the fans. This guy got hit in the eye by a screaming line drive. The balls are juiced. The bats are corked as far as I know or whatever. I mean, man, you got to be real brave. And the idea to say, look, you come to a baseball game, never take your eyes off the ball. Right, there's a lot of pitches in a ball game. I'm sorry, folks. People look at their devices. People look away. People are used to looking away and to be riveted to the action so that you don't get hit by a foul ball. And I'll tell you, I was at a couple games this year where this one lady, if she doesn't make a snag, a great snag of a foul ball, somebody's going to get badly hurt. So baseball's got to do something. But Rob Manfred, the commissioner, is like, no, he's not going to mandate it. Even though four teams are already in the process of extending the netting down the, the baselines. I hate to say it, but a kid's, another kid's going to have to die. I hate to, you know, that's what happened with hockey, right? Yeah, and right. Yeah. Columbus, Columbus was yeah. killed, yeah, and they, uh, they made it mandatory. And now nobody complains about it because you're used to it now. Used to sort of looking through that fine mesh netting. And again... You can always opt out. Like right. I always say these things, like you don't have to go to these games. Yeah, or you can sit somewhere else where you're not going right. to you know, get clobbered. Right. Anyway, uh, how about a little hockey talk now? A little uh, skating sound effects. Oh, I love the sound of winter. Remember how cold it was in the wintertime? No. <laughs> okay. Well, that's the it's sound. so beautiful. That's out. the sound of Titan Blades. Time for Hockey Confidential brought to you by Titan Blades. Skate like the pros on blades sharpened by the pros. Titan Blades bring the pro shop to you. Go to TitanBlades.com, T-Y-D-A-N Blades.com. And I know that the St. Louis Blues players were all wearing Titan Blades when they won their first ever Stanley Cup. Now, Mike, the other night on the Hebsey, the SP Awards. Hebsey Awards. The SP Awards are the ESPN Awards. They've been going on for, I don't know, 20 years or so. Longer, I, mean, I think. Okay, but, I mean, the Hebsey Awards were along way before the SP Awards. I always Awards. prefer the Hebsey Awards. Thank you. But anyway, so the SP Awards has become, and it's really smart of them, they now have it during the Major League Baseball All-Star break to just fill in some programming. Because there's, you know, what else is on? Except right, for the no baseball. Game. Right. So, uh, and it's a big deal and everybody gets dressed up and all that. And it's funny to see the hockey players 
because most people can't recognize the hockey players. Basketball players, we all know what their faces look like. Baseball players, tennis, whatever, golfers, we know. Hockey players wear so much equipment and they all wear helmets that it's difficult to differentiate it unless you're Unless you're Canadian, I guess, or you you know what well, all if the guys. If you're a diehard fan, you're you know, a diehard fan. Yeah. You know what they look like. So we all knew what Ryan O'Reilly looked like, right? Of course, uh, and uh, Jordan Binnington, maybe, and a couple of the other guys. But so when they win, the Blues win comeback uh, team of the year. About I don't know eight or ten of them go up on stage, led by Ryan O'Reilly, the Conn Smythe winner, who is the spokesperson. And I'm looking. I'm saying, why don't? How come Ryan O'Reilly didn't identify himself? Hi, everybody. I'm Ryan O'Reilly, of the Blues, and I'm here to speak about. So they didn't put a graphic up of that this is Ryan O'Reilly speaking. So people watching at home, who's this guy with the beard? Right. And then he takes out his tooth. He says, I'm going to take my tooth out so I don't spit on people in the front row. Takes out his front tooth <laughs> and then does his speech, which was really cool. It was interesting. But no, none of the other players were identified. He didn't say, hey, I want to introduce Jordan Bennington and, and Alex Petrangelo and all the other guys that were up here with him and didn't identify himself. And there was no graphic put up there, which leads me to wonder, do you know this, Mike? Do the SB award winners know in advance that they've won? I'll bet you they do. I think so, because I think when they're reading, it looks to me when they're reading, they're reading their speech off the teleprompter in a lot of cases. The other one is there's none of this, and the winner is, and then there's this, ah! There's no screaming of, of joy when you win. So I think they know in advance. I think they know, and I think that's a lo- reason a lot of them come. Like, I'm only right. coming if I win. And if whatever. they knew in advance, why wouldn't the TV people put up a graphic saying Ryan O'Reilly? Like, they're going to say, okay, you guys have won. Who's going to do the speech? And why wouldn't they, if they could, say, identify the other players up there? Everyone else who was up on that stage was identified. Either the announcer said, and now, you know, presenting the award, Dwayne Wade and um, Gabrielle Union. Right. So we knew of all the other people there, all the award winners, the presenters, we knew. But we didn't know any of the St. Louis Blues players. And I thought that's wrong. I thought it did a disservice to hockey and the St. Louis Blues. Well, you know, it's a lower tier sport uh, on ESPN. So too bad. maybe there's just no respect. By the way, did you watch uh, Oz on HBO back I used to in the watch, day? Oh, yeah, of course. Ryan O'Reilly was my favorite character. Yes, but that's not the same guy. Oh, sh- I didn't. Yeah, know. but it was a good name, isn't my it? My bad. Ryan O'Reilly's a good name. Yeah, it's a good it's, handle. It's, yeah, that was a I, that was a very disturbing show. Uh, but, but really, and more disturbing is the guy. More disturbing is the guy who's on these farmers insurance commercials. Is the guy from Oz. Schillinger? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the uh, the Nazi. Yeah, yeah. the skinhead. Yeah. Um, have you you've been watching some TV? Have you noticed lately? There's there's the same guy is on two different food commercials. And they, they run, they almost run back to back. One is for um, Tim's uh, wraps, I think. Okay. And the other is for uh, this dipping wedges, for these new wedges. And they're getting a lot of play. And it's the same guy. So in one commercial, he's, I'm assuming his, his son's name is Evan. He's playing softball. He comes back to the softball game. He says to, I think it's his wife. It is. It's got to be, or his, you know, the mother of his child. <laughs> and he says, uh, what inning are we in? And she goes, sixth inning. Right, and he's like, "Oh, only the sixth. And then he's got two of these wraps or three of these wraps, right? And he and he hands one to her, and then they're watching the game, and then she starts to eat on. She starts to eat it, and he's like, "Oh, you're not waiting for Evan." So it's a guy. So you know the guy I'm talking about. He's got glasses. He's got a scruffy kind of a beard. Well, two commercials later, in the same commercial <laughs> block, here he is with another woman <laughs> dipping, explaining to her about these wedges that you can double dip them because they're big, thick wedges. 
He's going to get It's caught. the same guy. So, I mean, of all the Canadian actors out there, oh. you pick the same guy <laughs> who goes, one minute he goes to Tim's to get a rap, <laughs> and then the next minute he's sitting with another woman, not his wife, and who knows where his wife and kid are, and he's explaining to her about the dipping wedges. Haven't you noticed it's a small it's pool the same guy. of, it's like, the Toronto? same guy. The commercials run yeah. concurrently. This is I've seen this all the places. Oh the same God. guy will show up, a uh, guest appearance on, like, um, Kim's Convenience and Working And Mr. Mom. D. Well, it's gone now. No, it's they don't, gone now, yeah. It's gone now, yeah. All right, so oh, I, just, I just noticed that. I'm saying, are we stupid? Are we supposed to think, <laughs> wait a minute, this guy eats... You know, no, you're guy. right. We are stupid. I mean, Stop right there. I mean, and, and even when they're running the commercials, like, could you could you not run the commercials, like, far enough apart? So this Is this during Jay's guy? games? Because I don't... Yeah. It's the Sir, only time I see ads I mean, is during listen, sports. During Jay's games, I'm watching... Um, um, uh, Jay and Dan, although this week it's not Jay and Dan. This week it's Jay and Tessa, Jay and... Uh, Kayla. And Kayla. You can stay Jay up and, that late for Jay yeah. and Dan? Oh, no, I watch it the next morning. Watch it in the morning. Okay, I don't Jay turn on my TV in the morning. Maybe, okay. Yeah. So, I like but, Jay and Dan. Though. So all these commercials are running, and during Wimbledon, you know, I'm watching Wimbledon or whatever the right. events are, even the Home Run Derby, and I think right. they're, and I think both Sportsnet and TSN are running. They are. They must be running. They're, these are commercials that are running during the sporting events. Right. It's the same guy <laughs> cheating on his wife. Okay, and his kid with another woman where he's having dipping wedges. He's okay, got multiple enough, families. Enough about that. Hockey uh, Confidential brought to you by Titan Blades, T Y D A N. Go to TitanBlades.com. The Oklahoma City Thunder have agreed to trade 30 year old Rus Russell Westbrook to the Houston Rockets in exchange for 34 year old Chris Paul, who has three years and $124 million left on his deal, as well as two first round picks plus a chance to swap two more first round picks. That means Oklahoma City is going to have. 10 first-round draft picks in the next eight years. That's sick. This is a team, remember, that had Kevin Durant, mm -hmm. Serge Ibaka, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook. And were expected eh? to contend for years and years and years, and they won zero championships. Right. Durant went in free agency. They got nothing for him. Paul George, they brought along and signed him to a deal, and then, and then he ends up going with Kawhi to the Clippers for a bunch of draft picks. And now Russell Westbrook, the face of the franchise, played 11 years there. Face of the franchise, all-time leading scorer, the whole deal like that, gone. Can you name the longest tenured player who's still with the team that drafted him? The same, uh, now? Yeah, now. Nowit Dirk Nowitzki, I think. No, he no, because he's gone, right? Oh, he's, that's right, he's, he's retired now. Yeah. So, uh, no, who is it? Steph Curry. Oh, Steph. 10 years. There you go. But you know what? Now, it's uh, for a guy to play for the same team for 10 years now, that's going to be very, very difficult. Well, there's only one guy. So, yeah. No, uh, I mean, from yeah, here on in, right. from here on in, will Zion Williamson play 10 years with New Orleans Pelicans? Will R.J. Barrett play 10 years with the Knicks? Well, you know, that kind of a thing. Times have changed. But anyway, but, li but listen to this. Listen yeah. to the money, the money here. Westbrook has four, he's 30 years old. He's got four years left in his contract and $171 million. He signed a five-year deal for $205 million. Hmm. All right, now he's going to be reunited with James Harden in the backcourt with Houston. Right. And uh, and Chris Paul, 34 years old, $124 million left in his contract. He's not going to play for OKC. They're going to flip him for more draft picks. So it's, it's possible that OKC could have every great draft pick from, from, you know, for the next decade or so. So so shrewd move, I guess, by OKC. If you're going to break up a team, you may as well break the hell out of them up. Yeah, you burn it to the ground, uh, especially in the wow. NBA where the draft picks. If That's nuts. Um, so now, Mike, eight, eight of last year's All-Stars. Eight are uh, on different teams. It's crazy. Eight all-stars are Did, on different teams. My son was telling me, yesterday we were talking, he says, this is the most exciting off-season in the NBA history. We can't think of a more exciting. I don't know if you can think of a in more history, exciting. In history, your son is how old? <laughs> it is. No, it's true. Free agency's gone wild. Yeah. But to, but 
And Dwayne Wade had a great tweet saying, you know, all these jerseys I have, they're like, tw- I have 20 jerseys that every guy, they're playing for different teams now. Amazing. And unless you've got a Steph Curry jersey, every jersey that you owned, right, has got, it's not this, you got a, you got a DeRozan jersey, you got a Kawhi Leonard jersey, you got a Durant jersey. Right. You got a, uh, you know, you, you, got a, you got a James Harden jersey from when he played for OKC. Right. You got an Ibaka jersey from when he played. I mean, I, I'm going way back. Sure. You've got a Jimmy Butler jersey. From the Bulls, forget it. The, from the Sixers, forget it. I mean, it's ridiculous. A Porzinga jersey. So much, from so Knicks. much. Now, Hebsey, I need yeah. to ask you, though, because now you got Westbrook and Harden together in Houston. And only one ball. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, Westbrook couldn't get it done. Like They couldn't get it done when they had Durant. So they're not getting by these California-based teams. Uh, You're talking about Houston now? Houston, yeah. Um, like, this is not enough. It's, well, it makes it interesting. But I don't it, know about that. First of all, Westbrook is not a good three-point shooter. Uh, Harden is. Harden's great. Mm. But you still have two guys that like to handle the ball. I mean, I think James Harden overhandles the ball. That's me personally. But Definitely. he's so good. And Westbrook wants the ball, too. So, I don't know. They worked well together back in the day. Obviously, Westbrook and Paul George did not work out. And they just figured, let's just tear it all down. But so much money. And you're talking about, again, here's one guy that's got four years left on his deal and the other guy that's got three. So what do long-term contracts mean? Nothing. (laughs) Not a darn thing. Um, Also in basketball, NBA coaches will now uh, are allowed to challenge, just like in hockey, football, and baseball. Until now, only a quick video review of referees' decisions on some of the more objective violations, like out-of-bounds and goaltending, have been allowed. But the introduction of a coach's challenge, approved by the Board of Governors, will also allow the possibility of overturning more subjective transgressions. Oh, like touch fouls or the block charge, which is probably the toughest call in all of sports. And so coaches will get one challenge per game, which they will signal after calling a timeout on the floor. What do you think of this, Mike? One challenge per game. It I takes long it makes, enough already with the video challenge. Well, I know, but I think, I think it makes sense to give them one. Like, give them one. I don't know. I feel like this is the way this sports is going. So, it's, so it's, I'm but, not surprised. By so it. let me ask you this question, okay? Here comes a play. Somebody comes thundering down the key. Kyle Lowry stands his ground, and he gets charged for a blocking foul. And right. it's late in the game, yeah. and it's going against the thing, and you're going, oh, man, that's a charge. Right. And you're Nick Nurse, and you f- twirl your finger saying, I want to see a replay of that. Yeah. How, how do they determine? Like, block charge is almost impossible. to. How do they say no? No, no, that's not. Because I've seen it before where, you know, he's got both feet outside the restricted zone. He stood his ground. Yep. He isn't moving his shoulder into the guy. He gets run over. That should be a charge. Right. But the referee calls it a block. Right. And, and you can't, that can't be overturned by video replay. This is where the coach is going to have to, at a key time of the game, say, no, no, I, I got to look at that one. Right. That, that's a charge, and you're calling my guy for a block. Again, it'll have to be conclusive, right? But, if it's inconclusive, but you how stick conclusive with the can call. it be? Like how conclusive? Saying, "Well, no, you moved his ear right there," and that's not. A, I mean, that's so subjective a call, right? It is because you could look at five different plays, and you could and you could try to guess what the call was, and I bet you could be wrong on all five. Well, we, they might learn that uh, it, these aren't being overturned because right. they're deemed inconclusive, and then they'll stop. Maybe they'll stop wasting their one on that. Like we'll have to see right. how this plays out. One challenge. Now, and, I, and I, I'm pretty sure that if, if your challenge is successful, then you don't get charged with a challenge like in other sports, right? You don't get charged. You, you've got another one. It'll be, definitely be interesting yeah. to... Uh, by the way, uh, I just when you get to the tennis portion of Hebsey on Sports, yeah. I have breaking news from Jake Gold. Breaking news on the uh, Novak Djokovic, um, No, nope, on uh, Gabby. Oh, yeah. Gabby, Gabby Dorowski, the right. Canadian. Right. Oh, okay. Uh, you'll save that for a second. I'll save right? that for the tennis portion. All right. in, in golf, 
we'll get to tennis. <laughs> Canadian Brooke Henderson. Did you know that she won the ESPY Award for top female golfer? I might have read a tweet about that. She did. Good top female golfer. And yesterday shot a four under 67 at the Marathon Classic. Puts her in a tie for 11th place. Hamilton's Elena Sharp is tied for the lead at seven under par. And the men are playing the John Deere Classic. Nick Taylor is in the mix at four under par. Roger Sloan, three under. Dave Hearn, two under. Mackenzie Hughes, one under. The leader, Roberto Diaz, at nine under. Yours truly was out at crosswinds yesterday. Uh, I was three under. Uh, one under a tree, one under a bush, <laughs> and one under a bridge. I was thinking that's fantastic. Thank you very much. When are you going to go put like a, at least one drive on Periscope so we can at least see the beauty? Oh, I, hit the, I was hitting the driver beautifully. So get yesterday. your buddy to hold your phone and I, do like I'm worried, 20 though. seconds on I'm Periscope. I'm worried. You know, it's easy to say that. And then when you're on video, right? And remember, yeah, live. Look, and it's I, live. You can't take it back. That's right. It's live. So if I could record it, let's say I recorded it and I hit 18 terrible drives. Maybe yeah. one out of 18. <laughs> I would obviously edit out the bad ones and say, hey, this was me. Of course. You but when you're it. live, you know, I'm live you know, and I flub it. Um, it's embarrassing as hell, so I'm not sure I want to do that. Uh, anyway, we, uh, my buddy Chris and I walked the golf course yesterday. People are like, oh, are you nuts? It's 1,000 degrees out. And, no, good for you. And we walked it. And let me tell you, it's a workout. You got you to be hydrated, baby. It was, uh, people were like, You know, I've you never, know, I've only, I, like, as if I've golfed a lot, but I've mm-hmm. never not walked. Yeah, that's the only way to, you know, golf is a good walk spoiled, is what Mark Twain once said. Right, right. Um, so I'm going to suggest to you, uh, because they're our sponsors and they're lovely people, Crosswinds for your next golf outing. Go to crosswindsgolf.com, check out what they have to offer. And by the way, Crosswinds does not accept cash, like debit, what? credit, mobile pay, all accepted. You know where they got that idea? I was talking to uh, Chris Pickett, the general manager. They got the idea from the Tampa Bay Rays. Tempe Rays did not want to have any of their people holding, uh, uh, dealing with cash. Right, the change too, and everything. Too much going on, right? Just too opportunity for theft and misplacement and stuff like that, security purposes and all that. So what they did was they don't allow cash, but when you go there or anywhere else, you can buy a Tampa Bay Rays um, gift card. So let's say you got 100 bucks in cash. So you buy the gift card, you got $100 on it, and you can buy your concessions, you can buy your food, you can buy with the Tampa Bay Rays card. So that's a great idea. For places that don't, and, and, and believe me, folks, more and more people are not going to accept cash, accept credit or debit. But the idea is use your cash to buy the gift card, right, where you're going, and then use that as, as basically as cash. Right. Good idea. A great idea. Um, and I know a lot of people that just don't carry cash. And I feel bad for the, the um, porters, the, how about this? The, the people that are doing the, um, the, 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 in the uh, subways, the, um, the, the, the singers and the buskers, the buskers. I mean, they depend on cash. Yeah. Nobody drops a debit card in there. No. They don't have a That's debit the future, machine. Though, you'll tap your That's a debit card. machine. But you're right. The future is going to be that, the, you know, that, the, you know, and even, even those. No, buskers, are, you could do that. It's even panhandlers. Even though. panhandlers. <laughs> like, you know, sorry. Like, I felt bad the other day. The panhandler, I was, I don't have any, dude, I have no money. He whips out his, his iPhone. Yeah. He's got the thing. I have no money. I have no, and what about just giving a tip, like just being able to take some cash and, you know, to your, uh, your barber or your manicurist or your, or, or tipping a porter or a cab driver or, you know, people that right. you don't have cash. And I feel bad. It's like, I wish I had cash, but it's a cashless society we're dealing in. Uh, now we're to tennis. So what's the Okay. News? Breaking news. I wish I had a good sound effect. It's from but, Jake uh, Gold. From Jake Gold. Gabby wins. 6-1, She's into the women's doubles final. Excellent. Women's doubles. So there's some, some can-con going on still at Wimbledon. Thank goodness for that. Um, it's going to be Serena Williams against Simona Halep in the ladies' final on Saturday. That's the singles final. Halep is the number seven seed. The 37-year-old Serena is the number 11 seed. She's seeking her eighth Wimbledon title and 24th Grand Slam victory, which would tie her with Margaret Court. 
for the most all-time male or female. Serena is the GOAT, but lately she hasn't performed well in the finals, you know. Not at all. Remember? And she apologized, you know, to uh, Naomi Osaka, Osaka for yeah. the way she, and, that, and she said that it was a very difficult thing to be able to do. And, you know, I give her a lot of credit for this. Uh, she's a competitor. Uh, and, but to admit that you were wrong and that you acted a certain way uh, takes a big person. So good, good on Serena for that. She's 37, man. She's a mom. She's, she's not a kid anymore. Um, and speaking of goats, Roger Federer takes on Rafa Nadal later to soon, as a matter of fact. i got to get out of here soon because I'm going to go watch this. Um, uh, uh, they're going to play, and they're going to take on the winner of the Novak Djokovic uh, match against Roberto Bautista Agutu. And I don't even know what the score is now. I'm pretty sure that Djokovic is probably winning. But that's neither here nor there. So Wimbledon's going to be very exciting. We need our tennis is. correspondent. That's all right. Uh, we're gonna, um, we're pretty, pretty excited about that. Um, finally, uh, Jim Bouton. Did you ever read the book Ball Four, Mike? No, but now I want to you after to. reading your remarks. You have it. to. Ball Four came out in 1970. I was a kid, and I liked baseball. For the amount of baseball, I could see the game of the week every Saturday on NBC and the odd um, AAA game that I would go see. My dad would take us down to Maple Leaf Stadium. Um, the uh, Fleet Street Flats, they used to call it, to watch AAA baseball. And Jim Bouton came out with this book. He, he had pitched for the Yankees in the early 60s and was pretty darn good. And then he, uh, his arm like almost fell off and he ended up being a knuckleball pitcher. And all knuckleball pitchers are weirdos anyway because the knuckleball is a weird pitch. And so he became a knuckleball pitcher and he pitched for the expansion Seattle Pilots in 1969. They are now the Milwaukee Brewers. But what he did was he, um, he had a diary. So every single day he'd write stuff down or he'd talk into his little tape recorder about baseball. And he, he revealed incredible secrets from inside the locker room about players like Mickey Mantle cheating on their wives and being so hung over after a game that they could barely see. Wow. And, and, and climbing up to the top, the roof of the Shoreham Hotel in Washington with binoculars looking into uh, hotel windows <laughs> at young women, right? And taking... Um, uh, amphetamines. All ball players were taking amphetamines. Right. Lots of amphetamines, so that they, you know, they were all juiced. Um, and so, and this was stuff that in 1969-70, you just didn't do this because writers of the day only wrote great things about baseball players that they were heroes, but nobody wrote about their, you know, about their uh, peccadillos, I guess, about their transgressions, their flaws as human beings. Right. They only wrote about their uh, them as baseball players, and so Jim Bouton revealed all this in this book. And I remember reading this book going, this is great. And it was funny. And at the same time, it was, you know, a little bit sad. And, and it really, it painted a picture of my baseball heroes, that they're, that they're human beings, that they have flaws, that they, that they cheat on their wives and they drink too much and they take drugs and, they, and they're rude. But there's a lesson there, of course, about and foul mouth about and hero worship, like yes. putting people on a pedestal. Exactly. Yeah. And that changed, what that did was that book, changed and remember that was during the vietnam war so there was a lot of protesting a lot of counterculturalism a lot of activism and this came out at just the right time and it was a brilliant book and survived over the years and you could read it now and it wouldn't make a difference even though it's from so many years ago it just tells a great story about what the life of a baseball player is like and also this was before the reserve clause before free agency so every player was tied to that team he was right. a, an indentured servant to that team. And there's a portion where Jim Bouton is trying to earn $22,000 a year to pitch and is fighting with the general manager for like a $500 raise. Like every year he would go through this. Right. And what cheapskates the owners were and the amount of money they were making. Terrific book. It's called Ball Four. Jim Bouton died at the age of 80 the other day. I suggest you get a copy. 
Um, and it doesn't, it, even if you're not a baseball fan, although if you're a baseball fan, you'll love it. Right. It just gives you a real good idea of how in those days people would never, they wouldn't reveal their salary. They wouldn't reveal anything that went on in the clubhouse. And Jim Bouton revealed it all. Real talk. And was ostracized <laughs> by baseball. In fact, Pete Rose got up on the top step of the dugout and, and, and like, Hey, effing Shakespeare, you know, I'm going to, he called him, you know, he, they just, every player just thought that, you know, what he said and imagine telling people that Mickey Mantle, your hero, Mickey well, Mantle was, they a, would suggest was a violated and was a carouser and was a pervert. Yeah. They would, there's probably, but that, he could hit a ball a mile. <laughs> that unwritten code that oh, was yeah. violated. So. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Jim Bouton dead at the age of 80. Oh, the sorry to of hear ball that. Four. Now, breaking news before yep. we play out, uh, courtesy of Jake Gold. Yep. One set of piece, Joker up a break Ooh, in the third. Good. Exciting stuff. All right, that's it for episode 118 of Hebsey on Sports. Thanks to Toronto Mike for production and inspiration. Hit him up at Toronto Mike. He's got a great podcast. Thanks to our wonderful sponsors, Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington. They're at crosswindsgolf.com. And Tiden Performance Blades. Skate like the pros. Tidenblades.com, T-Y-D-A-N, blades.com. And please support these businesses and continue to watch and listen to us for free because of them. And if you're into a good story, check out my book, The Greatest Athlete You've Never Heard Of, the story of George Orton, who despite being told he would never walk again after a childhood accident, went on to win Canada's first Olympic gold medal in the steeplechase and was a key contributor to the evolution of 20th century sports as we know it today, even though it's the 21st century. But he never talked about his many accomplishments, so I decided to in this book. Available where fine books are sold, Amazon, Indigo, your favorite bookstore, etc., Thanks for allowing us into your headspace. Back with another exciting episode of Hebsey on Sports very shortly. Until then, so long for now.